You're listening to episode 117 of the Writing Life podcast from the National Centre for Writing, a weekly podcast for anyone who writes. Hello, I am Simon Jones. And I'm Vicky Maitland. It is 7th of October 2020 here in Norwich. And as you just heard, we do not have a Steph today, but we do have a Vicky. A weak, poor imitation of a Steph. <laughs> yeah, Steph has taken some holiday, which is outrageous, but uh, we will How carry on. I know, we'll carry on regardless. So Vicky, uh, what's happening in learning and participation land at the moment? Well, I work mostly with schools and young people most of the time. So obviously that has been a slight shift in what I normally do due to coronavirus and all the restrictions associated with that. So normally at this time of year, I would be going into schools, delivering workshops, setting up uh, some of our freelance writers and tutors in schools to deliver workshops. And we'd also be inviting schools and young people into Dragon Hall to see the building, to do some stuff on heritage and literature and creative writing. And obviously none of that can happen at the moment. So it's been a bit of a strange time. We're still doing some young people stuff over Zoom where possible. And we've got our young people time to write workshops, which are freely available online for any young person aged between. We've got stuff from six-year-olds all the way up to 17-year-olds on there. So there is still stuff going on in that regard, but not the usual in-school or in-building work. No, it's tricky because my son, who's seven, has got back to school now, having had six months with uh, homeschooling, which I say in quotes because <laughs> it's not entirely successful. Uh, but yeah, he's very happy to be back at school. But yeah, they're very restricted in what they can do and who they can interact with. And the classroom, I think, is functioning quite differently to how it would normally. Yeah, I'm, as I understand it, most schools are bubbled in uh, year groups. They're horizontal bubbles, they keep calling them. That means that different classes can interact in that year group, but they're really struggling to do any work that involves cross-year group stuff. So school orchestras, school plays, sports events, all are really struggling because they can't mix the bubbles vertically they can only mix things horizontally yeah so obviously we will get back to delivering workshops in schools and having people into the building as as soon as we can do it safely uh, but at this point we're not sure when that will be no we've had um, our very first writing group in the building as of this monday just gone uh, a partnership with creative future who are an excellent organization who do loads of work with young people with vulnerable communities with older people and we've got a series of workshops with a specific group of participants who have English as a second language or English as an additional language and so we've just had our tentative first workshops face to face in the building so exciting that people are starting to come back but anything with more than a very specific group of people with a very specific set of needs and requirements isn't really possible. No. I mean, one benefit we do have is that we have a very large medieval hall, so it is possible to have people in a space while being far away from each other. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we think we had 10 people in a room that normally seats 120, so they were fairly socially distanced, should I say. <laughs> and I think in the interim, the Discord channel for anyone who writes and wants to kind of get involved and keep that writing community has been a really great alternative. Yes, yeah, and we put a link down in the show notes if you want to jump in there. It's completely free. It's just an online, nice, friendly space to talk about writing, talk about reading and share tips with other people from all around the world, which is it's lovely to connect with people, even if it is, as everything is these days, uh, somewhat digital. So, Vicky, uh, are you an organised person? 
Um, that's a very good question, Simon. I think I like to think I'm an organised person. My desk space probably says otherwise. I certainly like making to-do lists, but how often I achieve those to-do lists is uh, probably best left unsaid. <laughs> do you spend a lot of time making the to-do lists and, and less time doing the list? I'm I'm a big fan of buying stationery to make myself organised and then looking at it all nice and pretty. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Um, So on the podcast today, we have Anthony Johnston, who is a writer that appears to have written in every form you can possibly imagine. He's worked extensively in comics, he's written novels, he's worked in video games, he has his own podcast. He's an extremely prolific writer. You might have uh, heard of the film Atomic Blonde, which was based on a comic of his. Uh, I'm currently reading his very long-running series Wasteland, which is a really fascinating, quirky, post-apocalyptic story, which uh, has a a lovely kind of slow burn to it. But yeah, he's very productive, has worked across all kinds of different mediums for his own projects and working for the likes of Marvel. And he's just written a book called The Organised Writer, which for someone like him who works across so many different projects, you can imagine he does need to be quite (laughs) organised to stop it going chaotic. And this book is subtitled how to stay on top of all your projects and never miss a deadline wow bold claim i know i know i think every every writer or any creative person really can probably empathize with the notion of it and it's a really interesting book it goes through anthony's own method for being organized keeping on top of his work he comes at it from the perspective of a freelance writer so he does this full time but in reading the book i found it really useful even as an amateur writer writing in my spare time it's still full of really really good tips for how to make the best use of the time that you do have and yeah we wanted to get Anthony on to talk about this because I think it's something that pretty much anyone listening to the podcast probably has experienced either a lack of time or a lack of ability to make good use of that time. Yeah and I think during lockdown especially in these past nine months now I think everyone has generally been thinking about how to use their time more productively, more effectively, and how to best organise it. And it's certainly something that we've been thinking about as an organisation and as writers ourselves. And right near the start of lockdown, in fact, just before lockdown happened, we did launch a couple of online courses about how to uh, stay productive as a writer and how to write more and stay happy as a writer. And both of those are available on our website. Yes, uh, we'll put links down in the show notes for those as well. And yeah, a lot of what Anthony talks about in the book is not only how to get the work done, but to do it in a way that is less stressful as well. And I think that's something that everyone can appreciate at the moment. Yes. Right, so this is me talking to Anthony a couple of weeks ago, and I should say that The Organised Writer is now out, and you can go and check it out. Hi, Anthony. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Uh, You're very welcome. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, so I uh, just earlier today, while I was preparing for this, I watched Crossover Point, your short film. Oh, wonderful. Did you enjoy it? I did very much. Yeah, I like the fact that while everyone else was kind of struggling with how to keep working in lockdown and not have it stop them from doing all their usual stuff, you decided to uh, have your first go at making a film and start something completely new. <laughs> well, and it was also, I mean, I wasn't immune to that at all. I would say for the first two to three weeks, of lockdown, I really struggled, just like everybody else did, with trying to stay busy, trying to stay productive and focus on work. And it, it was really difficult. There's an irony. Lots of people, you know, I wasn't the only person this happened to. Lots of people kept saying, oh, 
you spend all day sitting at home in front of your computer anyway. It's no different for you. But it it really was because while we're doing that, we know that the world outside is carrying on. And that's kind of a reassurance in some ways. And of course, during lockdown and in quarantine, that wasn't the case. And so it was really distracting. Um, so I did get over it after a while. But then the the idea with Crossover Point was, I don't know, I just kind of wanted to turn it, you know, make lemonade out of lemons, as they say, and turn the lockdown and the quarantine into something that I could use to be creative uh, without ignoring it. Um, and yeah, that was just, that was an idea that came to me one morning when I woke up, which is such a cliche, I know, and it doesn't, norm- <laughs> doesn't normally happen to me at all, but it really did in this case. I just woke up one morning and I thought, if you had to make a film during lockdown with everybody in quarantine, how would you do it and what would it be about? And I wrote the script for it that day um, and recruited two actor friends. And we did the whole thing online, recording using Zoom, which, of course, everybody now is extremely familiar with. We're all experts now. Right. Yeah. We all know how to use it now. We all know what video calls look like, which actually was a kind of a help because making a film with that sort of format previously might have been a bit off-putting for some people who weren't familiar with video conferencing software. But now everybody is familiar with it. And so I think that really helped a lot of non-nerds, if you like, uh, and I hold up my hand there, I am absolutely 100% a nerd, but <laughs> it helped <laughs> non-nerds watch it without feeling alienated. Uh, and yeah, we, you know, the whole thing came together pretty quickly. It was a lot of fun to do and really well received, which was very, considering it was my directorial debut, as it were, that was uh, really heartening. I think it's really good to make the most of it. And as you say, you didn't have to kind of try and justify why the video quality maybe wasn't what people expect from films because exactly, everyone yeah. <laughs> everyone knows what Zoom looks like now. Yeah, <laughs> precisely. Yeah, you were talking about how at the start of lockdown, everything, it was so difficult to focus and concentrate. And uh, that's absolutely true. I had the same issue where it was, you know, it's interesting because in The Organised Writer, your, your new book, this is all stuff you're talking about. And presumably you were working on this book long before lockdown. Oh, yes. Um, and it contains a lot of advice on how to kind of you know deal with all the stuff that distracts you. And then lockdown comes along and it's it's hard to shut out the idea that the entire world has a big problem. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, I mean, in some ways, this is a really bad time to be launching this book <laughs> because <laughs> it assumes a normality of the world, which right now simply isn't the case. But I have been... Uh, again, heartened by uh, some comments I've had from, you know, sort of my beta readers and advanced readers and what have you, who've said that even in these strange circumstances, there's still plenty in the book to help uh, and, you know, and, the, and that people find useful. Um, and that's one of the, I like to think one of the strengths of the book is that it is modular, again, to use a rather nerdy, geeky term. Uh, and what I mean by that is that you can take parts of it and sort of fit them into your existing lifestyle around the bits that you can't change. Because, I mean, the book is, obviously, I'm a full-time writer, and so that's the perspective from which I'm writing the book, but I'm well aware that not everybody else out there is. And, I mean, I was a part-time writer, like everybody else. When I started out, I was writing in my spare time, holding down a day job. So I do know what that's like, and I understand the difficulties it presents. 
And sometimes there are things like that or, you know, family commitments, what have you, that you simply can't change. And so I tried to make sure that uh, there are parts of the book that even if you can't completely upend your schedule uh, and plan out your days in the sort of detail that I do, because you have those other commitments, you can nevertheless take the parts that will work for you and they will still work you know, not in isolation, but separate to those other parts, which you simply can't change. Um, and that's kind of what I've been doing during lockdown, to be honest with you, because I live in the Northwest as well. So we're, we never really came out of lockdown, to be perfectly honest with you. And as you'll have seen in the news, as we record this, we're about to go back into full lockdown in this region. So we really have been basically indoors other than essential shopping trips since March. Um, and that has, even for us, and you know, we, as I say, we normally spend all our time here at home anyway, but because the world outside has been so different, it has necessitated changes to our own schedule, our own habits and the way we work. And so I have had to change and adapt my own working of the organized writer system uh, during this time, but thank goodness it still works, <laughs> which was <laughs> quite a relief to me considering the book, as you say, obviously is about to come out. Um, yeah, you know, it still works and the, the ground principles, if you like, the fundamentals of the system still hold true, uh, in the idea of removing distraction, getting things out of your head and onto paper and into a system, uh, you know, starting work with a clean mind every day, that sort of thing. Those all still hold true. The way in which I achieve them has had to change because of lockdown, but the fundamentals of them, you know, remain strong. And thank goodness for that. I think when I started reading it and first heard about the book, I was wondering how it would apply to myself and also some of our listeners, because we have quite a range of listeners, but a lot of them are people who are right at the start of their careers. There's a lot of fiction writers, there's people for whom writing is something they have to fit in and around a day job, and they haven't got to the point where it's either, a, let alone a, a full-time job or, or a part-time thing that they do. And the book is very much kind of aimed primarily, I would say, at freelance writers but as you say, as I've been reading it, there are so many bits you can just pull out and go, oh, well, this fits into what I do just like this. Yeah, well, I'm really glad to hear that because, I mean, I make the point in the book several times of, you know, whatever works for you, if it works, then it works. Don't, you know, don't change the bits that work. Um, and yes, again, emphasizing that sort of modular nature. So I'm really glad that that's been the case for you as well. As you say, most, let's be honest, most writers are not full-time writers. I realize that I'm in a fairly rarefied position. I have novelist friends who have day jobs, who, you know, it's mm. not their full-time job. Um, so I had to bear that in mind when writing the book. Yes, the way I use the system is as a full-time freelance writer, of course. But like I say, I have to recognize that that's not most people's experience. And so it was written very much with that in mind, the idea that, okay, this is probably what you want but you may not be there yet. So how can I help you try and get there? Or even maybe you don't have that ambition. How can I just help you stay on top of your stuff if you have no ambition to be a full-time writer, but you do want to carry on working as a writer around your day job or your existing family commitments or whatever? When I was looking over the work that you've done and your your many projects, I was just going through your website and the uh, the work section, and it kind of just keeps on going. <laughs> 
uh, <laughs> across every possible form that you can think of. Uh, and you've worked with so many different people uh, in comics, games, your own novels. Uh, you've done journalistic work as well. You've got podcasts. And as I was looking over that list, I was, I was kind of realizing why you were the perfect person to write the organized writer, because presumably you, you really have to be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, that's, and again, I say this in the book, uh, I, the system exists because it has to for me because when I when I first became a full-time writer, when I first left my day job, I quit my day job, I took the plunge and became a full-time writer. And I thought, well, this will be easy. I'll just bang out some words, send an invoice every now and again. Bob's your uncle. Don't need to worry about <laughs> anything else. Um, and of course, <laughs> couldn't have been more wrong. Hopelessly naive, I realize now. But I just, I didn't know any better. And so it was about, what was it, about three years, maybe four years, somewhere between there, uh, into my full-time freelance career that I was drowning in paperwork and unpaid bills and unchased invoices and just horribly disorganized. And I had, in fact, missed two deadlines. Uh, not horribly, thank goodness, you know, not to the point of destroying a project or anything, but I had previously always prided myself and throughout my career, no matter what field I've worked in, I pride myself on always hitting my deadlines. And so that to me was the cardinal sin and what really made me go, okay, I, I need to sort this out. I need to figure out a way to stay on top of all these projects and on top of this work. And part of that was because I was in that field, you mentioned graphic novels and comics. That's a field where it's very, very difficult, even more so than novels to make a living just writing one book at a time. Um, almost every professional comics writer and graphic novelist you'll meet has several projects on the go at once. It's just necessary to, to make a living. And so I thought, well, if I want to carry on doing this, I need to be able to juggle those projects and to manage my schedule so that I don't miss my deadlines and people can rely on me, uh, you know, while doing this sort of work. And so that's when I started looking at productivity systems and tried to adopt other people's systems and just found that none of them worked for me as a writer because most of them at that time, this is not the case so much now, but at the time, because this was back in, you know, 2005, 2006, they were aimed at people in management, people in business. Uh, and I'm sure they're wonderful systems for people in those fields, but for creative workers and writers in particular, they just were, they just, just didn't suit, didn't suit the sort of daily life of a working writer. Uh, and so, yeah, that was how I thought, well, I, I need to look at the fundamentals of this. And rather than trying to tweak an existing system, I need to go back to first principles and think, what problem am I actually trying to solve? What are the needs of a working writer that I need to uh, figure into this system that I need to solve with this system? Uh, and so that started me on this journey to come up with this system. And I developed and refined it over the years. And obviously now here we are, but it is following that system that has helped me and well, that has enabled me to do so much work in so many different fields and be, you know, yeah, fairly prolific. I say <laughs> with, uh, without too much false modesty, you know, a fa <laughs> fairly prolific writer, uh, for the last, well, I mean, I'm, I'm coming up to 20 years total in my career, but certainly, you know, the last 12 or 13 years using this system. And it is the system I use. I, I, this is something that I try always try to emphasize to people. I 
use this system myself. This isn't me trying to sell you some cockamamie thing that I've you know come <laughs> up with off the top of my head. I use this system every day. It's how I work. It's what I do. Uh, and so I know it works. You know, it's, yeah, I, I can't put it any more plainly than that. And as you say, it is the system that's enabled me to do all this work to get to the point where I can write this book. Yeah, and presumably do all that work in a, a far less stressful way than it would have been otherwise. Well, that's the hope, yeah. I mean, that's one of the other the sort of secondary aim of the book, if you like, is to help people reduce their stress while juggling multiple projects because, of course, it is stressful. And there's always going to be a baseline level of stress for any freelance worker, no matter what field you're in, whether you're a writer, any kind of – it even, doesn't even need to necessarily be a creative role but any any freelancer is always going to have a sort of baseline level of stress but my hope is to help people bring it down as low as it can be by sorting out all of this stuff that contributes to stress and certainly uh, I was just saying this to somebody else like I can't it's impossible for me to say that this system has helped me be a better writer you know, because you can't make that comparison. There's no, there's no parallel universe where I can look at myself where I wasn't organized and see whether the work was as good. I can't make that comparison. But what I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt is that I have been a busier writer. I have written more while being organized and I have done it with way less, way lower stress levels than I had when I started out, you know, before I adopted this system. Uh, and that alone to me is enormously valuable. Absolutely. And I think there's a, a big focus, even in you know the workshops and courses we do and the stuff we put out on the podcast on the craft of writing and the creative and artistic side. But the truth of it is that before you even get to any of that, you have to actually write some words. And if you're not getting the words down, then the quality of the words you know doesn't really matter if you're not doing it at all. And I think what the organised writer is really good at is, is kind of getting those nuts and bolts practical guidelines down so that you can kind of get that all out the way and then actually focus on on the fun bit that everyone likes which is the writing itself that's exactly the idea yeah i mean nuts and bolts is that's kind of my middle name <laughs> you know every <laughs> uh, i'm very much that kind of nuts and bolts writer it's how i approach organizing things it's how i approach the writing itself uh whenever i give i've given like you know talks on writing for video games and stuff and they're always I always try and impart some kind of lesson or advice, something that is, yeah, a bit nuts and bolts rather than being, I don't want to say airy-fairy, but you know the sort of, I don't want to try not to be too metaphorical, if you like. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's just, that's the way I work. Um, and so that's how the book is. You know, that's that's how the book came out, the way it is, is it's uh, designed to, be read and impart these lessons so that people can go from start to finish and go, oh, okay, there is stuff here that I can use. Uh, practical, as you say, practical nuts and bolts stuff that I can use that will help me. Uh, and that's, you know, that's all I want to do. Yeah. I think what struck me is that uh, in the book, you, you come across someone who thinks about process a lot and, you know, using the right tool for the right job and that kind of thing. I was wondering, is that something that you enjoy trying to figure out or is it something that you do and are kind of forced into by necessity of the demands of your career? A little from column A, a little from column B. I actually didn't used to think about process at all. And I was almost afraid 
of thinking too much about it, which I, I gather is not an uncommon phenomenon in creative <laughs> uh, work. Is, you know, people worry that if they examine their own process too much, if they think too hard about it, that the creativity will dry up. Uh, and that suddenly they'll they'll lack inspiration because they'll they'll be too analytical about it. And I had that same fear. And then I read an interview with Brian Eno, who is one of my heroes. I adore everything Eno does, and I respect him enormously as an artist and the way he has navigated his career over the years. And uh, in this interview, he said that he was the same. He was afraid of looking too closely at his process. But then he was encouraged to, and he did. And what he found was that by understanding how he creates and how his imaginative mind works actually made him more creative. He had more ideas. He was more imaginative. Um, and I've found the same, to be honest with you. And so, yes, now you're absolutely right. I am very interested in thinking and talking about the process of creativity and how we do what we do. It's what my own podcast, Writing and Breathing, is all about. The The subtitle of that is Why, How and What We Write, because I am very interested in talking about those things now. But like I say, I wasn't before. Um, but I've absolutely seen the benefits of doing that uh, in my work. And then on the practical side, yeah, it's thinking about the as you say, choosing the right tool for the job, that sort of thing. That I think has always been there uh, because obviously that's not a creative analysis. That's more about, okay, this is the job I need to do. I want to do it in the best way I can. What is the tool or the process or the method that I need to adopt in order to achieve that aim? I think that's just kind of built into me. That's how, <laughs> how I've always been. I don't know whether it's how I was raised or uh, my partner would tell you it's because I'm a Virgo. I, whatever the reason <laughs> is, uh, I, that's just always been me. I've always approached that side of things in a very analytical manner. But it did take me some time to get comfortable with the idea of approaching my own creativity in that way. But like I say, since I have... Uh, I've never looked back and I've absolutely produced my best work ever since. Yeah. And the trick, of course, is that if you are disorganized, uh, that kind of analytical view of your own process is even harder because you're constantly kind of laying the train tracks down in front of you and you don't have time to pause and have a look at stuff. Um, so the the writing software Scrivener, for example, I always recommend that to people, but I've encountered quite a few writers for whom they don't believe they have the time to learn how to use it. Uh, and I'm always trying to explain, oh, but if you take the time at the front, then actually it will save you so much time in the long run and this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think hopefully the organized writer method can help people get to a position where they can start to kind of make those decisions and, and look a bit more critically at how they do stuff, not just what they're doing. Yeah. And it does require that a similar kind of upfront investment of time. And I'm, I'm quite clear about that in the book. You know, it does require you to take time to stop and put these systems into place and sort out your workspace and that sort of stuff, uh, and then kind of restart now with the mindset of, you know, being more organized. Uh, you do have to invest that time in order for it to pay off. But you're absolutely right. It will pay off. And it's just like, yes, I have friends as well, the same thing. I try and recommend Scrivener to them and they're like, oh, but it'll take me days to get to grips with it. I'm like, yes, but it will save you so much time in the long run. Um, and I understand it's if you've got deadlines breathing down your neck constantly, then you feel as if you can't possibly take a day off. 
let alone two, to learn a new piece of software or sort out your office workspace or read a book on getting organized or whatever. Um, that's, yeah, that's tricky. But at some point, you have to make the decision to go, no, I'm going to do this. I am going to take this time and invest this time so that I can hit this deadline in the future. Uh, and it's, I understand that for some people that can be a real leap into faith, but you know, it is necessary. Uh, if, if you are horribly disorganized, if you are struggling to stay on top of things, something has to change. You've got to make some kind of change. So, you know, no matter whether it's my book or whether you do something else, I mean, I'm not, this isn't just shilling for the book. This is, you have to make some kind of change, no matter what it is, that change will take time. You will have to invest some time in making it. So otherwise nothing will ever change. So you've got to be able to get over that hurdle first in order to then reap the benefits of getting more organized. I think what excited me when I heard about the organized writer is that it was a system for writers specifically, because I've I've tried just about every different type of productivity method there is. I've tried loads of different to-do and task apps. I've tried the Pomodoro technique, project management software that's wildly unsuitable for <laughs> creative writing and that kind of thing. I, I've got uh, something on my phone where it tries to get you to work by planting pretend trees. You know, I've, I've tried just about everything there is. And sometimes they work a bit and sometimes they'll work for a couple of weeks, uh, but it never quite clicks. And I think the point you make right at the start of the book, which is that most of those systems are designed for office working, which is a completely different environment where you've got lots of small tasks, lots of interruptions, new things arriving all the time, and they work really well for that. Whereas writing is almost the opposite of that, where you've got a small number of big things and you really need to zoom in on on them for longer periods. And I think when I was reading that in the book, I was like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense of why I've always scrabbled about with all these different systems and never quite got on with them. You're exactly right. I mean, that's why on the back of the book, it says, you know, this is the first productivity system for writers by a writer. I don't think anybody but a writer could have written this book. And I, I know that sounds facetious, but I'm sure you know what I, you understand what I mean, that you have to be a writer to understand what works for writers because, and any writer knows this, until you've done it, your conception of what it is, is horribly wrong you know, woefully wrong. And this is why when we talk to people who aren't writers and they say such, and it's not their fault, it's naivety, it's ignorance, but they, they say such crazy things, make such strange assumptions about how we work and what we do. And it's because it is such a strange thing to do. Everybody can write, everybody can write an email, sure, but actually sitting down and writing an an article, a story, a screenplay, a graphic novel, whatever it is, is such an unusual thing to do that until you've done it, you simply cannot understand what is necessary to help you do it. And so, yeah, as I say, I don't think anybody but a writer really could have written a system like this that actually does work for writers because I had the same experience. Like I say, yeah, tried, I don't, I wouldn't say I tried loads of different systems, but I tried several and realized that none of them were right for this kind of work. And so, like I say, that's when I went back to first principles and thought, okay, well, there are some good things in these systems. And like I say, yeah, if you're working in an office or something, I'm sure they're wonderful. But from my point of view as a writer, they're simply not working. So what can I put into place that will work for the processes that I need? Yeah, it's refreshing to read something where it does apply to writers directly. And you know, even if 
you're not reading it from the perspective of being a, a full-time freelancer. You, you have to do far less adaptation of it than you do when you're reading uh, other materials and other other systems like that. It just it kind of yeah, it yeah feels there's... much more pertinent. Yeah, I mean, there's you're talking there. There's maybe one level of it, of abstraction, as you say. You know, okay, well, I'm not a full time writer, but at least this is about writers, so I can. I only need to, make, to sort of take it one step away to make it work for me. Whereas, yes, other productive systems, well, they're not even for writers. So first, you've got to make the step of adapting it to work for a writer, and then, as you say, yes. I'm not full time, and these are aimed at full time office workers. So now I've got to make another step, uh, and it's just—it's too. I'm not saying it can't be done, but why should you? Why should you need to go to that much effort? It's one of the reasons I wrote the book was because I was amazed there was nothing else out there for writers. When I started looking at getting organised, I thought, well, surely somebody's written one of these for writers. There's books about everything else to do with writing. <laughs> you know, you can't <laughs> throw bookstores which have entire sections devoted to manuals on writing, and yet none of them are about how a writer gets organised and makes it through the day. Um, I was kind of astounded, to be honest with you. And so that was one of the things, along with lots of prompting and urging by friends, um, that convinced me to actually get you know get down to it and write the book at last yeah i think you you mentioned earlier that you know some creative people almost shy away from thinking about this stuff and i think there is a certain reticence to to look at uh, the form in this way and if you look at other forms like software development or video games or filmmaking they they kind of have to look at it in this more uh, efficient uh, process kind of way because otherwise those things don't happen because they're so phenomenally complex whereas with writing because it does tend to be one person on their own writing um, sort of stuff on the surface I think it can come across as being very simple so you think you maybe don't need all those uh, all those systems and processes to make it go efficiently uh, but actually you know the point you're making is that it's all the other stuff that intrudes and gets in the way that is the problem. That's exactly right. Yes. Yes. It does look simple. Like I say, that's why anybody can write an email. And so lots of people think that they can be writers uh, just because they can string a sentence together. And and some of them can. Absolutely. You know, you'll never know until you try. But writing is nevertheless a talent and a skill. And uh, not everybody can do it, even if they're able to write an email. But yeah, people look at the they see us sitting down, one person sitting down at a computer typing, and they think, oh, well, I can do that. You know, <laughs> what's so hard about that? And of course, like I say, in- until you try, you don't really understand just how difficult it really is. But yeah, those other forms of artistic expression are so, as you say, so complex, but also collaborative. Again, that's, you know, you said one person sitting in front of a computer, and that's the major difference between writing and almost every other creative profession, maybe an artist, you know, a sort of fine artist, probably the closest non-writing analogy you could make to the traditional writer because they're generally working alone in their studio, uh, not collaborating and not relying on anybody else in order to be able to finish their art. Um, But that's pretty much it. As you say, filmmaking, graphic novels, you know, it's. I mean, there are cartoonists we call them as a term of art in the trade you know people who do everything themselves they write draw letter color whatever all their own work in a graphic novel those people exist but they are very rare most comics and graphic novels are collaborative endeavors where one person writes something another person draws it another person colors it another person adds all the lettering that sort of stuff filmmaking of course it involves dozens sometimes hundreds of people 
uh, all involved in coming together to make a work of art. Same with TV. Um, yeah, it's writing is quite unusual in that respect. And so, like I say, it just struck me as odd that there was no, there are loads of manuals for how to write a better story, but there are no manuals for how to be a better writer. So am I right in thinking that this, certainly in terms of uh, you writing about this stuff publicly, it kind of started off as a blog post in 2007? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't even a blog post. Um, it was an article that I published on my website, but it wasn't actually technically a blog post. It was, uh, this was when I'd first kind of not finalized the system because I, I, I am continually sort of tweaking and not involving and defining it and have done over the last you know, 10 to 12 years. But when I had first settled on, oh, okay, this works for writers. These are the basics. These are the fundamentals of how a system like this can work for writers. Um, yeah, I wrote it up into an article that I, with a few photos that I published on my website, it's still available. You can still read it there now. Like I say, it is now 13 years old. And obviously, as you can see from the size of the book compared to the article, things have changed and evolved quite a bit, you know, it's quite a bit more in depth now, but that was the basis of it all. And I, I wrote it just because I, almost because I wanted to codify it for my own benefit as much as anything else, but also because I thought other people might benefit from it. That whole section of my website, the four writers section, is just full of stuff that I think might help other writers. You know, why not? And I thought that a few people would read it. You know, some friends would read it uh, and maybe some people who, you know, I was friends with on Facebook or whatever. Um, and that would be it. And it took me a couple of days to write. No problem. Get it up there. You know, maybe it'll help some people. And as I mentioned in the book, six months later, or no, actually it was a bit longer than that, but it was somewhere between six months and a year later, it had racked up half a million hits. And I couldn't believe my web stats. I was like, it had gone all around the internet. It was on Twitter, Facebook. People were talking about it on their blogs. Uh, Merlin Mann, the productivity guru of 43folders.com linked to it favorably and said like, you know, this looks like a great system if you're a writer. And of course that got loads of visitors, uh, of people clicking through from Merlin's blog. I was just like, this is, I couldn't believe. And it's again, naive of me. Of course there are, but at the time I just never realized that there were so many other writers out there who felt really disorganized and wanted desperately to get on top of all of their projects. Uh, but there are. And so, yeah, that's why as I say it's still there. You can still read it for free. Um, but it is very, very primitive and basic now compared to what's in the book, obviously. But there are a lot of disorganized writers out there. I was one of them. <laughs> um, and so that's why I was finally persuaded, as I say, to uh, mainly by friends cajoling me saying, you should turn that into a book. Uh, and then I finally got around to it a couple of years ago. And now here we are. Yeah. So what changed 13 years later that uh, either it seemed like the right time to do it or was it simply a, a scheduling thing? Like what was it that 10 years, you know, a decade later made you expand it into the book? Again, a little of both, you know, a little from column A, a little from column B. It was partly scheduling. Uh, I, up until that point, simply had not had the time to I even contemplate sitting down and turning it into a book. I thought about it. I had absolutely thought about it. I had a Scrivener project open and ready and, you know, <laughs> uh, waiting to have words put into it. But I simply didn't have the time around my other projects 
uh, and you know, in order to get it written. And of course, now I knew that I didn't have time. That's the other thing is that I knew now that I did not have time to do this because I was using the system. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, th that was a factor. And then also uh, I suddenly found in the last few years, uh, mainly since the uh, movie Atomic Blonde, you know, I was very fortunate in having that film made from one of my graphic novels. And that has given me a certain amount of breathing room. Uh, and so I was able to take a couple of months to write this book and not have to worry about, you know, paying the bills or whatever. Um, but also it did feel like the right time. Like I say, I've, I didn't really want to write something like this immediately because I wanted to make sure it was road tested as it were first. I wanted to make sure that it continued working. I didn't want to write something, put it out there. And then two years later, stop using it myself. That would feel <laughs> like a terrible <laughs> admission of failure. Um, but, but yeah, by now, obviously by the time I came to write the book, I had been using the system for over 10 years. And so I was like, okay, and I'm still using it and I have no plans to stop because it works for me and it helps me get all this work done. So I thought, okay, well, this is clearly a road tested system. This works. It's been proven to work. I am that proof. Now is a good time. So all of these, you know, these sort of coincident factors came together at just the right time. And I thought, yes, okay, well, now's the time that I'm going to spend a few months writing this book and, and get it out there to help other people. I was wondering if you could, just to give people sort of context of your own workload, uh, a kind of representative time, um, I was wondering if not necessarily right now, but you know, generally how many projects do you have kind of spinning at any one time and, and you know, in terms of applying the stuff that's in the organised writer, how, what's a kind of typical example in a month, say, of how you might be applying some of those techniques? Well, like all freelancers, it's, it's a feast or famine thing. Uh, you know, there might be, and there have been some months where literally the only thing I'm doing is writing a novel. That's all I'm doing every day for that month. I'm writing a novel. Uh, and then there are other months where I might spend one week writing a novel, another week writing a video game, half of another week writing some blog posts, uh, you know, in the final half of that week doing some podcast editing. It, it really is kind of just all up in the air. Um, and impossible to really give an average. But I will tell you, for example, what I'm working on at the moment. So I've just finished uh, writing a novel and I've just, well, I recently finished, I should say, writing the rough draft of a novel and I've just finished an outline for another novel. I have recently, last month, I came off of almost two years working on a big video game script and I am now in talks to start another one uh, that will see me through for like the next six months. I have, I've got a screenplay doing the rounds, uh, over in Hollywood. And I'm also talking with various producers about, you know, other projects that could go at any moment, uh, you know, another feature, uh, a TV show, an animated series, that sort of thing. Uh, what else? I've got this book coming out. Obviously I've got the U S edition of, um, one of my novels comes out in three weeks time. So I'm doing a lot of PR for that. I host and produce two podcasts. I am on the committee of the Writers Guild Video Game Committee and the uh, Crime Writers Association and sort of help out with both of those. Um, what else? Yeah. No, I think that's about it actually for this month. Yeah. 
<laughs> or for the for the last few months. Um, but again, you know, in two months' time, you ask me, several of those projects will have ended or will no longer be a going concern. And so uh, there is this constant sort of churn and turnover of uh, all the things bubbling under. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's enough. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think what what strikes me as someone who is not a professional writer. Um, and, and writes, you know, outside of the day job and, and when I can scrabble to find time, although hopefully that will change the more I read your book. Um, I, that big list of stuff feels so overwhelming to me, even as someone who, you know, I write one evening a week, basically, uh, and feel quite pleased about that. And it feels like, you know, everything else is so easily gets in the way, whereas you can list all that stuff and you don't even mention, you know, non-work commitments and yet it all kind of fits. Um, and I think that's what's so compelling about uh, the book you've you've put together here because as you say you've road tested it for a good long while and the, the appeal is that you know if you can fit all that stuff in then i look at my writing and i think well, surely i should be able to manage more than one evening a week <laughs> <laughs> well i mean look i have the advantage of being a full-time writer and i realize that that is like i said you know i'm in a rarefied position there and it is a massive advantage it allows me to spend all day doing this uh, you know, and then de and dealing with a bit of admin and what have you, but basically all day writing. Um, and not everybody has that, you know, which is like I say, it's nobody's fault. It's just the way of the world. If you can, if you regularly put aside an evening every week and, you know, make sure that you always write on that evening, that's better than nothing. You know, that's still something. Don't feel bad about that. Um, you know, I've often said, again, for people who might have other commitments, even if you can only find 30 minutes a day, that's still 30 minutes a day that you can spend writing so long as you can focus during those 30 minutes. And that's where most people, I think, need help. And that's why the book is all about, it's not about sort of helping you to tell a story. It's not about kind of, you know, how to structure dramatic scenes and stuff, because I assume you either know that or you can get that from another book. What this book's about is getting all of that non-writing stuff off your mind and into a system where you know it will be dealt with when you're not writing. So that when you are writing, even if it is, like I say, only 30 minutes a day or something, you know that that's all you have to do. You're not worried about everything else. You're not a bit distracted by all the chores you have to do and tasks you have to carry out. You can just focus on writing. And if you do that regularly, every day, it will build up. Even if you only write two, three hundred words a day doing that, you know, in six months time, you'll have a short novel. In a year's time, you'll have a, a good length novel. Uh, it's it's about the marathon, not the sprint. Yeah. And also carving it up into, you know, 300 words a day, which feels very manageable. Whereas yeah. at the start of a novel, looking up at, at the giant novel ahead of you and you think, oh, I can never get to the top of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's that old, uh, who is it? And so many people have said this that I, I hesitate to try and attribute it to any one particular person. But I think I heard it from Stephen King, uh, which is that, you know, when you're driving in the fog, you you can't see more than a couple of feet in front of you. But if you keep going, you'll you can reach your destination that way. Um, I'm paraphrasing badly there, but you understand the the principle. It's it's the same thing with a novel. You you yes, if you look straight at the top, you go, well, that's impossible. I can never get up there. But if you take it one step at a time, you can get there. And yes, breaking down daily work into manageable chunks is absolutely one way of doing that. That is, in fact, 
how I managed to get back into writing and being productive after that period that I mentioned at the start of lockdown. I felt horribly overwhelmed and, you know, very unproductive and just kind of thinking, well, how can I possibly work under these circumstances? Uh, And what I did was I reduced my own daily word count. Normally, my word count would be 1,500 words a day if I'm writing a novel um, or five pages a day if I'm writing a screenplay or a graphic novel. That's my, I know I can hit that. Some days it's easier than others, but I know I can hit it without, you know, exhausting myself. Um, And yet I couldn't. I absolutely couldn't. It was too much because of all the other, everything else going on in the world, just sort of, you know, overwhelming my mental state. And so I reduced it right down initially to 500 words a day. And again, bearing in mind, I'm a full-time writer. So that gives me 500 words. I've got to write all day, all day to do that. That seems like nothing. That's absolutely, who can't write 500 words over the course of like six hours, you know? <laughs> it's, it made the task really, really achievable and manageable. And of course, naturally what I found was that I would hit 500 words and then I'd keep going. But having that low target to hit really helped with motivation because I didn't feel like I was setting myself an impossible task every time I sat down in the morning. And then over time, because I that helped me get back into the rhythm of working, now I'm back up to my usual daily word count. You know, over the course of a few weeks, I sort of went, okay, well, let's, let's make it 750 minimum. Now let's make it a thousand minimum. And I got myself back up to where I am now, which is, my, as again, as I say, 1500 words a day. That's my, my steady pace. Um, so even for me, even for, you know, the guru, as it were, um, I still had to make those adjustments to make the task manageable to myself and seem manageable when I sat down in front of my computer every morning. Um, but the the flip side, the good part about that is that, again, I absolutely know this works. If you take that attitude and if you commit to writing even a small amount every single day, and you don't skip a day, barring emergencies, obviously, but on normal days, you know, you don't skip a day and you make that commitment, the work will get done. That's how you do it. Yeah, I think the focus and an area that uh, newer writers stress about is that they feel they need to kind of maximise the number of words per day and go all out. And that then creates far too much pressure. And something you talk about in the book is kind of figuring out that minimum time so you're not not going for some crazy ambitious thing but just figuring out what what can you definitely do that won't stress you out that is very doable and it's it's kind of flipping it on its head a little bit and i think yeah newer writers in particular don't think of it that way they think i need to write more need to do more need to do more and the end result is that they either exhaust themselves or burn out or or just get overly stressed about it and of course then write less (laughs) Yeah, it's a classic hare and tortoise situation, which is another you know point I make in the book is, you know, remember the tortoise is the one who wins that race. That's the point of that story <laughs> is that <laughs> not to be the hare. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I know I have friends who regularly write 3000 words a day. That's their quota. Uh, you know, they are very prolific novelists. They're at 3000 words. And for them, that's perfectly comfortable. It's manageable. You know, no problem at all. That's their quota. Uh, so even my quota, you know, I feel compared to them, I feel like I'm slacking, but I know myself and have gotten to know myself over the years well enough to know, like I say, that 1500 is, that's my comfortable quota. There are days when I'll do 3000 words. Those are very, very good days indeed, but that's not every day and I can't do it every day. Um, 
And for some people, it's less. I know other novelists who write a thousand words a day. You know, that's their minimum. And if they write no more than that, it's fine because that's enough for them. And they're still prolific and they still get the work done because the main thing, again, is not the word count so much as the commitment to making that word count every day. That's what gets you over the line in the end. Yeah, and you make the point that there's not really any space for kind of one-upmanship and you know comparing your word count to other people's word counts is pointless because as you say it's it's your own productivity that you need to be focusing on and writing is such a a kind of ambiguous thing in the first place that it's not like a science that you can apply the same stuff to every single person everyone's going to write a different amount exactly yeah i mean i wish it was a science you know <laughs> wouldn't life <laughs> wouldn't life be so much easier if it was <laughs> but no you're absolutely right it's you you can't get lost in comparing yourself to other people in any aspect of creative work. I mean, I find, you know, there's, it's, it is poison to start getting jealous of other people's success or to look at the, you know, somebody else puts out three books a year and you're like, why can't I do that? Well, you, you just can't, you know, push yourself. Sure. Have a go. But if you can't do it, you can't do it. As long as you're producing work at a good pace that you know is uh, a pace where you're not slacking, you know, where you're not kind of letting yourself off and being lazy, then that's fine. That's your pace. Uh, what matters in the end is the work and that it's your work and that it's the best work you can do. Really, that's what helps you sleep at night and will reduce that stress, not trying to compare yourself endlessly to everyone else. Because, you know, Stephen King exists. You're not Stephen King. You're never going to be Stephen King. Uh, Neil Gaiman exists. You're not Neil Gaiman. You're never going to be Neil Gaiman. You know, Lee Child, you're not going to be Lee Child. You've got to be yourself. And you might have success, but you've got to have it on your own terms and doing your own work. Nobody wants another Lee Child because Lee Child already exists. Nobody wants another Stephen King because Stephen King already exists. What they want is you to produce work that is as compelling as theirs. And if you can do that on your own terms, well, I'd call that a victory. Well, thank you very much, Anthony. I think that's a good note to end on there. Uh, and I'm sure the organised writer is going to help a lot of people to, to accomplish their own particular goals. So yeah, thank you for writing it. And thanks for coming on the show today. You're very welcome. Thank you. It's been a, a lot of fun. And yeah, I really hope it does help people. I know that it sounds a bit, you know, it might sound a bit trite, but I really do just want to help people you know, reduce their stress and get on top of their workload and write more and write better. And, you know, if it does get in touch with me, I want to hear about it. You know, I'm, I don't know. It's one of the things that I've found I'm good at is helping other people. So I just want to do more of it. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Anthony Johnson for joining us on the pod today. If you have questions or want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Writer Centre. Check out our Facebook page, find lots of cool videos over on our YouTube channel, and of course, sign up to our newsletter at the website, which is nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk. And if you would like to join our Discord community chat, you can do so by clicking the link down in the show notes. Please do rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast listening app. Thanks again, keep writing, and we'll catch you on the next episode.